0: Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at shepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Hey, it's episode 115, and today we're going to start a new series on 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to look at what Pastor Peter has to say to his fellow elders. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we need your help. Give us wisdom and direction. I trust that you're going to help me, Holy Spirit, to speak with clarity and to point people to Jesus and to see just great truths that Pastor Peter has for us in 1 Peter chapter 5. I trust God that you're going to lead, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, before we get to 1 Peter chapter 5, let's go ahead and talk about a couple things that I want you to know about, and you've maybe heard me talking about these before, but Let's first start with the cohort, the Shepherd's Crook cohort. It's coming up January to June in 2021. The cost of this is $125. There's a lot of enemies that have risen up against the church and against God's men in 2020. It's been such a unique year. And I think for most pastors, we're kind of looking around and we're seeing a sifting happening right now. It's like God is sifting the church, sifting the pastorate, and we're seeing people fall by the wayside. We're seeing people fold. We're seeing pastors who lack courage go along with the culture, and we're seeing many churches rise up. We're seeing many lay people, laymen and women, who are not standing for it. They're having courage. They're having backbone. What I want to challenge guys in this cohort to do is to stand with courage. We're going to have courage to stand against all enemies. We're going to go through six different enemies, during the six-month cohort, and I'm going to invite, actually, a couple guys that I've interviewed before, anywhere from two to four of them, to do some exclusive content that you're going to get if you sign up and are part of this cohort. You're going to get some exclusive content from some really reputable people who are going to be talking about these specific things that we're fighting against as God's men. And so, if you sign up, and you're local, you can come and join us the last Saturday of every month from January to June. Or if you're not local, you just join in on a Zoom call, and then you'll get access to exclusive content as well. And so I would love for you to join. I'd love for you to be a part of that. It's $125. Bucks. You can just sign up through co at the donate section. And then just message me and say, hey, man, I'm, I'm in. I want in. And then you'll be in. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. And then second, the intensive's coming up, May 4th through the 6th of 2021. This is such an incredible time. It really is. This is our third annual event. And this year, the theme is God and Government. I'm going to have a friend of mine, Lane Harrison from Missouri, tag team, teaching this with me. It's going to be at Circle B Campground again. And this year, we're going to have a base camp. Last year, we took all of our, all of our camp supplies, all of our food supplies with us, like 50 miles upriver. And we learned some things last year. So this year, we're going to have a base camp. And we're going to do two days of floating on the river with a canoe. But we're going to have the base camp where we stay at Circle B Campground both nights. And so there's two different price points that you can get in on. Um, you can be at the 175 price point and that will get you tent camping. That will get you two days floating on the river that will cover all your food costs. So 175 covers it all and then you get some really cool gear as well. We're going to get you a really cool wet bag for the river that has a, a neat stamp on it and sticker on it. We're going to also give you a we're going to give you a hat and a couple other cool things. So there's just really cool gear that comes along. Every year I'm trying to get some cool gear that guys will like and actually use. And the first 20 people that register are going to actually get an extra piece of gear. So that's pretty cool. We can have up to a couple hundred guys come. I'm hoping this year to have around 50. And I think we'll accomplish that goal. I think we'll get around 50 guys to come. Uh, the other price point is 275 And that just gets you in a cabin. So it gets you all the other things. But it puts you in kind of like a hotel-like room cabin if you don't want to sleep outside or sleep in a hammock or something like that. And you'll still be really close to the river, the Jacks Fork River. It's a really beautiful center- scenery at, the, at Circle B Campground. You can Google all this stuff and check it out. But I would love for you to check this out and come register. It really is going to be a great, it's a great event. Seven guys almost died last year, so I mean, it's that awesome. (laughs) So I would encourage you to join us. I hope you do. Okay, today we're going to start the series on First Peter chapter 5, and we're going to see what Apostle Peter has to say to other pastors, and he actually calls himself a fellow elder. That's going to be point number two here in a minute, but we're just going to read this real quick and then talk about pastoral restoration after pastoral sin before we talk about being a fellow elder. So here's what the Apostle Peter has to say. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Okay, so here are the two things we're talking about. Number one, restoration after disqualification. And number two, being a fellow elder. So modeling humility in the pastorate. The Apostle Peter didn't see himself as a pope. But let's back up. Let's just talk about restoration after sin failure. I was talking with my friend Ryan a couple months ago, and he was like, Man, why in the world do we call pastoral sin moral failure? Why, upon disqualification, do we give them somewhat of a pass or kind of cushion what actually happened with the words that we use? Why do we call it a moral failure? Why don't we just call it a sin failure or disqualification? And I thought, I don't know. Why do we do that? I think. He's right. I think that those words, moral failure, soften the blow of what actually took place. And I think we should adopt new language for that. I think sin failure or just pastoral disqualification or rebellion or something that communicates the gravity of abandoning that office or disqualifying yourself from that office, what that really means and how big of a deal that is. And so I think he was absolutely right. So Ryan, thank you. I know he'll listen into this. So Ryan, thanks for that. Um, The Apostle Peter did that. He disqualified himself. Now, I know many men who have disqualified themselves. They've slept with other women. They've been looking at pornography. They did something with church funds that were inappropriate, and they disqualified themselves from ministry through that sin. And I guess it's true that we can say that there was idolatry there. I mean, there was clear sin. It was clear denial in some way of Jesus, but not in the same way that Peter denied Jesus. I would say that most of the pastors I know that have committed sin failures in those seasons of life would not have outright denied Jesus. I mean, they're not denying Christ. And yet, here is Peter, the Apostle Peter, even after Jesus warned him, denying Jesus. He denied Christ. And yet, he was quickly restored. Now, in Peter's instance, and what Jesus was doing, I think this was a unique thing. I think when it comes to sin failure, we should take our time to see restoration happen in the life of a man who's disqualified himself. For some men, that's going to be a longer period. For some, for some men, that's going to be a little bit shorter period. But I do not think we need to be quick to restore men to ministry. Now, this happens a lot in the celebrity pastor world, where a celebrity pastor will do something silly, he'll go and get some rehab or some counseling for a year, and he'll be back in the pulpit a year later. I think that's unbelievably foolish. I think it's really unwise. A year is no time at all. And yet, we see this unique case with the Apostle Peter, where Jesus and gives him his radical grace, which is no other kind of grace other than radical grace, and brings him back in and then commissions him at great commissioning in Matthew chapter 28 after his resurrection. And then here is the Apostle Peter preaching at Pentecost. And so I just want to say restoration is possible. If you're a pastor out there and if you've committed sin failure, there's hope for you not just to be back in ministry. Forget that for a minute. But there's hope for you to be a man of God. The man that you know God has called you to be. The man that you want to be according to the scriptures. There's hope for you to be that 1 Timothy 3, Titus chapter 1 man. And the Apostle Peter was qualified according to those qualifications. And there's hope for you in that. Don't lose heart. There's hope to be restored. We see it clearly with the Apostle Peter. And then we see Apostle Peter writing pastors. And he writes to them as fellow elders. This is point two. Humility in the pastorate. Or just look at Peter. Okay, He says, as a fellow elder. Now, this flies in the face of Roman Catholicism. There's still no peace with Rome from Protestants, and there won't be until they repent and believe in the real gospel and find grace with Christ. Peter doesn't see himself as the Pope. He sees himself as a fellow elder. He doesn't see himself in another category or in another office. He doesn't even call himself an apostle elder. He just simply calls himself a fellow elder. Now, one of the things I've tried to model at our church, and one of the things I want to encourage you to model at your church, pastor, if you're the lead pastor, is to regularly call the other elders in your church pastors. Now, you don't have to say Pastor Andy or Pastor Hank or Pastor whoever, but you do need to often refer to them as fellow pastors, fellow elders. In fact, I think it's important that that quote-unquote lead pastors are quicker to affirm the plurality of elders than they are to affirm that they are the lead pastor of the church. When people talk to you and say, hey, well, what do you do? Uh, Well, I'm an elder at our church. I'm a pastor at our church. I'm one of many pastors. Oh, really? Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I, I do primarily the preaching, and I do a majority of the counseling and the care, those sorts of things, but I'm one of the pastors at our church. And I think that's incredibly humble, the Apostle Peter, to model that, but also to call us to model that. We're walking in humility here. Now, what I've noticed is that the other elders, the elders in our church, they are quick to affirm that I am the quote-unquote first among equals or the lead pastor of the church. Now, we don't use that language a whole lot. We don't use the first among equals language, but they're quick to affirm that I'm the pastor of the church, but I want to be quicker to affirm that they are fellow elders, and I think that's what the Apostle Peter is modeling right here, right in front of us. He doesn't announce it, but we see it in his common language here. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. There's an understanding the Apostle Peter has that there's going to be a plurality that he's writing to, and he is writing as a fellow elder. So lead pastor out there today. Be quick to affirm that you actually have pastors. It's a great thing for a pastor to have pastors, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's great to get stuff like this, to get some outside help, to get some other pastors to come and go eat pizza with and hang out and and talk about pastoral ministry, but it's great on site in your local assembly For your family to have fellow elders our family has been so blessed to have pastors in our church that pastor us and shepherd us well and if you're an elder at a church listening into this be quick to affirm that you have a lead quote unquote lead pastor you have a first among equals you have a man that's primarily commissioned there to do a majority of the preaching and the teaching and the counseling within the local assembly you have a pastor as well and i think that's what we have modeled here with first peter now over the next few few weeks, into the next month or two, we're going to be walking through just verse by verse, 1 Peter, and we're going to see truth that the Apostle Peter has for his fellow elders. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.